Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the PHNX DVAC show. My name is Jesse Friedman, uh, not joined today by Derek Montia. In fact, joined by a very special guest here on the show. We have Jack Summers joining us from inside the Diamondbacks. Jack does an outstanding job covering the Diamondbacks over at Sports Illustrated inside the Diamondbacks. Jack, thanks for thanks for popping in today. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to doing this. This is not the first time that Jack has been on the show. Um, I believe it was sometime last year you joined Derek at Four Peaks, right? Yes, we did. One of our uh, remote broadcasts there. And then uh, some of you might have caught me and Jack did, or at least Jack was on for a portion of an audio-only uh, World Series preview show that we did right before the World Series started out in Texas. So some of you uh, might have been able to hear him there as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and jump into what was a pretty unfortunate weekend for Diamondbacks fans, Jack, in a, in a number of different ways. Uh, this guy named Shohei Otani now plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, D-backs take a bit of a hit here when it comes to competitiveness, but I don't think it's totally a shock, right? I mean, it was a bit no. of a gut punch, though, seeing that pop up on my Twitter. I got a bit. It was uh, especially interesting the way that Otani uh, made this known. It was not, I, I guess Jeff Passan sort of broke the news, but he like didn't break the news in, in the way that he normally does. And that Shohei Otani actually posted this out on his Instagram story. Uh, or not on his Instagram story, but just like a regular Instagram post. Um, yeah, it looked like uh, it looked like this. Although I guess what he posted was literally just the Dodgers logo. Uh, it sort of looked like he was announcing that he was committing to like a, a, a certain university or something. It's kind of like at least what it made me think of. Uh, but he wrote a whole lot of words. Uh, he said to all the fans and everyone involved in the baseball world, I apologize for taking so long to come to a decision. I have decided to choose the Dodgers as my next team. Said a whole lot of other things as well. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that he felt the need to apologize for coming to a decision on, what was it, December 9th? like it wasn't early but it That's in my late. mind it wasn't all that it wasn't all that late either right i think he was probably a little apologetic because he was catching some heat from some of the national media sure um who were maybe a little too butthurt over you know not having enough news to report during the winter meetings sure um so i think he was maybe giving a little deference to that and trying to you know repair some of those bridges yeah, uh, everyone had strong opinions uh, over the weekend for sure about a number of a number of different things. Uh, but yeah, the the deal here, ten years, seven hundred million dollars. Uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty decent chunk of change. Uh, it kind of seemed going into this that five hundred million dollars was a guarantee. 
seemed like we all knew that it was going to be at least mm-hmm. that. I personally, though, Jack, didn't see it going quite this high. Yeah, the number was shocking. I mean, yeah. of course, as usual, whenever I'm out and about and right. not available, that's when any big news breaks. It's <laughs> kind of like an unwritten rule that Jesse's well aware of. I am well aware. <laughs> and I was off to see him, going to see my mom, and I pulled into the driveway, and all of a sudden my phone lights up, and I didn't have time to react right away. And when I saw the number, I was in shock. Um, you know, it just everyone expected five, six hundred million, whatever. But yeah, uh, seven hundred was deferred or not deferred. It's a, it's a big, big, huge number that caught everybody by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm glad you mentioned deferred because we I don't think uh, any specific details have come out about this just yet. But we do know that a sizable portion of this contract is deferred. I believe it was reported that the majority of it is deferred, um, which, you know, the Dodgers are still going to pay Shohei Otani $700 million, which is a lot of money. But what the deferrals allow them to do is it, you know, it significantly lessens their uh, competitive balance tax hit, uh, meaning that that number is not going to be as high as it otherwise would have been. And it allows the Dodgers to more easily make other additions to the team, which, of course, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, is not the greatest development. That not only do the Dodgers have Otani, but the hit that they're taking as a result of that contract isn't as big as you might have expected it to be. I think, you know, I had a friend ask me about this, and uh, I threw over the inflation calculator to him. Yeah, there you go. Took, you know, $1 in 2008. Uh, buys you what it, now you need a buck 43. Wow. 43% difference between just 15 years. So even if his deferments <laughs> run out, you know, to uh, 2040 or 45 or whatever it is, you know, it's going to be 50% less money actually go, uh, in right. present day terms. Right. Although uh, to me, like deferrals are, I mean, deferrals, yes, they're, that absolutely does affect the total dollar value of the deal. But at the same time, I mean, doesn't a deal just extending out for a number of years also mean that they're getting less money in a sense? Like in a 10-year deal, you're feeling the effects of inflation more than you are in a five-year deal, for example. So in some ways, and we don't talk about it in the, like if someone sure. signs a 12-year deal, we don't talk about it as, oh, think about all the in the inflationary hit they're taking. Um, but yeah, that is, that's just sort of me picking at small details. It is a heck of a lot of money. And the Dodgers, uh, you know, are very much going to take advantage of the fact, or at least we expect them to take advantage of the fact um, that the hit toward baseball doesn't have a cap, but the hit toward the competitive balance tax threshold is significantly less than it otherwise would have been. Uh, per uh, our friend Patrick Lyons over at DNVR Rockies, uh, this is something he tweeted out that stood out to me. Shohei Otani hasn't made that much money up to this point in his career, given the way that he came over to the U.S. and he wasn't. It wasn't you know a Yamamoto situation where it's the posting system and he can sign for three hundred million dollars. He came over as essentially an international free agent, which made that uh, there were just significant limitations in terms of what he could actually get paid at the time. So according to Patrick, Shohei Otani will have doubled his career earnings by July 9th of the 2024 season, uh, which is it's not bad, Jack. He's doing he's going to do pretty well for himself. Yeah, I think, (laughs) you know, I mean, who knows what he already made in endorsements? I thought I saw a number like 40 million dollars or something like that that he's already made. So, I mean, you know, at this point in time, it's not about the money for him because he's already guaranteed, you know, generational money. The guys by the time he retires with all his um, endorsements, he's going to be a multi-billionaire. I mean, you yeah. know, that's a track he was on. So I don't think that that really makes a big difference to him. I think it was more about being in the setup and the environment that he wanted that he felt was best to himself. So the Dodgers with Shohei Otani are 
pretty good baseball team. Uh, they're not they're not bad. Uh, having Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani uh, in there to you know being able to pencil those three guys in your lineup every day is a is a pretty good place to be. Um, but yeah, when you think about how this affects the Dodgers going into 2024, at least my initial reaction is that they might not necessarily be worlds better than they were in 2023 just because of this move. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think I think uh, JD Martinez in the DH slot for the Dodgers last year had a really good season, hit 33 home runs, 103 RBI, even though he didn't play for the entire year. Um, and you look at Shohei Otani's career numbers offensively compared to what JD Martinez did last year for the Dodgers in the DH slot. There's not necessarily a huge difference there unless Otani comes out and has a similar year to what he did in 2023, where he had like a 181 OPS plus or something ridiculous like that. If that happens, even though Otani won't pitch next year, uh, yeah, that would be a pretty, a pretty significant step forward for them offensively. You know, one thing that's been kind of going through my mind is whether or not, I mean, I know he can't pitch, but does the elbow injury have any impact on his swing whatsoever? I mean, right. uh, the assumption is not, but who knows, right? Yeah. What if he has a, a problem with that? And he gears it up and starts swinging a bat like, like crazy and going full bore. And next thing you know, um, something snaps in there again. Right. It could happen just from, from swinging a bat. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, we saw Bryce Harper come back pretty early from, I guess we don't know exactly what surgery Shohei Otani got, which is still uh, still dumbfounding to me. That, uh, uh, now, that, do you know what a brace surgery is? I have no idea. Yeah, well, the internal brace procedure is supposed to, it's supposed to expedite the process. That's about, that's about all I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, have we ever gotten real clarity on what surgery Shohei Otani had? Right. I don't think anybody knows for sure which one it was. Yeah. So, so we don't know exactly how it would, how it would compare to the surgery that some other top hitters have had, but we saw Bryce Harper come back from Tommy John surgery, uh, this past year and he looked, he looked pretty good. Uh, he didn't look so great at the beginning though. It seemed like it took him a little while to figure things out. Um, but yeah, there, you know, maybe there is some level of impact there given that Otani is going to be coming back from that surgery and theoretically, it shouldn't affect him much offensively, but I agree that that it, it theoretically could. Um, on the on the pitching side of things, this doesn't help the Dodgers for 2024, right? We don't expect Shohei Otani to be able to pitch for them in 2024, and their starting rotation on paper right now is not particularly impressive. Uh, if we look at uh, what that looks like, at least right now for 2024, it's not a it's not a crazy list, right? You've got Walker Bueller. You've got Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, Ryan Yarbrough, and Emmett Sheehan. You know, there's some potential here. Like, I thought Pepio at the end of the season looked pretty good for the Dodgers. Emmett Sheehan's an interesting prospect. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough, someone they picked up last year at the trade deadline. But am I crazy, Jack, in saying that the Diamondbacks, as of right now, have a better starting rotation, maybe by a wide margin, than what the Dodgers have? Operative word, as of right now. Correct. I mean, (laughs) Otani himself is only adding two, three war, whatever a DH sure. as great as he is can add. But everybody on that list from Ryan Pepio on down, you can slide down two slots. The yeah. Dodgers are going to add at least two starting pitchers. Um, and they very well may add two starting pitchers that are among the top tier of pitchers available in free agency and trade. Um, you know, they could trade for a top tier pitcher, for example, Cease or Glasnow and sign a top tier pitcher. Maybe even Yamamoto, maybe Snell. Uh, so, I mean, I'll be shocked. And again, it's back to the deferments. I mean, yeah. the word is is that the deferments in Otani's contract are really significant, right? Like 
could be 10, 20, 30 million dollars or more. Jeff Passon said most. Right. So you assume half, um, assuming that's a credible report, which I think we'll come back to. Um, <laughs> you know, but assuming that you have that much deferment, then the the Dodgers are still pretty got a lot of room there for the uh, yeah. uh, avoiding the competitive balance tax. I think they came in 157 million. However much of an uh, Otani's you're adding. Uh, up to 237, right? So 43, 7, 80 million dollars. So even if Otani is getting 40 or 50, they still have another 30, 40 million dollars worth of room to stay under the tax and still add two pitchers. Right. So that rotation is going to look a lot better before it's all said and done. Yeah. And, and I mean, guys like Pepio and Sheehan, I think, are, you know, if that's your depth, if those are your guys who are coming in to step right. in, you know, in case of injuries. I think that's pretty formidable. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Right now, I guess the moral of the story is the Dodgers are a very, very good team offensively. Maybe not as good as the Braves. Uh, you know, I, I still think there's a there's a conversation to be had there. But the mm -hmm. Braves were also a historically good offensive team in 2023. So the Dodgers being a step below that doesn't necessarily mean that the, uh, the Dodgers could still be pretty good uh, and, and be a step below the Braves, I guess is what I'm saying. But on the pitching side, you know, there are certainly some questions still uh, still to be answered there for the Dodgers. But as you said, we do expect them to make some some pretty significant moves in that regard moving forward. I do want to come back to the comment you made about uh, reports and uh, credibility, uh, which is something that uh, has been a major topic of conversation over the last few days yeah. in the baseball world. There was a report on Friday that Shohei Otani had made his decision and was joining the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, there was also on Saturday before Shohei made the announcement himself, there was uh, quite a bit of flight tracking going on, a flight that was going <laughs> that apparently went from Anaheim to Toronto, which admittedly was a very random flight, not not like a normal, you know, a thing you'd normally see. Uh, it wound up being Robert Herjavec, the guy on <laughs> Shark Tank, which I think is the best part of the story. But uh, yeah, it seems like, you know, a lot of people reported a lot of things over the course of this process. There are reports relating to that flight as well, that it was in fact Otani going from Anaheim uh, to, uh, to Toronto, not necessarily on that flight that people were tracking, but that that was a flight he was actually taking when he was in reality, just back in, uh, back in Southern California. Um, just, yeah, a lot of reports floating around and, and kind of a lack of clarity throughout this process. Yeah. I think, you know, it, for me personally, and I think for you as well, I'm not into chasing being the latest, greatest, uh, newsbreaker. Sure. There's enough people out there doing that. Yeah. Um, and the process to get there, I mean, all of this information, like Bob Nightingale wrote, and yeah. I've already knew the, basically the gist of that. It's all coming from agents, right? So yeah. it's all being manipulated. And the agents dole out, oh, well, this one gets to break that the move happened. This one gets to break what the contract terms were uh, and so forth. And they divvy it up. At the end of the day, you know, you're depending on what, a spy in an airport, a spy in an office, uh, an agent util utilizing you as his tool. Eh, enough already. I, I'm totally yeah. on board with Bob Nightingale's article. Um, if anybody had a chance to read that, I strongly yeah. suggest it. I know a lot of people like to give Bob kind of a lot of crap on Twitter, but um, I'm going to give him a plug, too, because he's a great guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, what he wrote about it. And it was a bit of mea culpa in there, too, right? Yeah. Because he didn't exclude himself. He said, hey, I do this, too. We've got to stop this. So, you know, hopefully this will be somewhat of a, I don't know, impetus to, to for the industry to clean itself up a little bit. I would like to see that.
Yeah, I mean, even when the Diamondbacks signed Eduardo <clears throat> Rodriguez, there were reports that the Cincinnati Reds were also involved. That it was two, you know, down to two teams, and then uh, very quickly the those reports were retracted, and it was like, okay, no, it's just the Diamondbacks, I guess. And shortly thereafter, the deal was finalized, and the Diamondbacks signed him. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting, um, especially as it pertained to Otani. There was such a need for information, like people just couldn't live without knowing, you know, what conversations were being had and these kinds of things. And there was a lot of criticism of Nez Bolello, uh, Otani's agent, as well as Otani for the secrecy that they took throughout this process and wanting to kind of not share as much of that information as as would normally have been shared. What's your perspective on that? Do you feel like do you feel like a guy like Otani in this situation does owe it to the media and to the larger Major League Baseball audience to be kind of open about how this process was unfolding? Nope. Okay. I do not. <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, look, MLB's issues with how entertaining the winter meetings are and all of that, sure. that's a completely separate issue. And I do think that um, Otani's ability to basically close off from the media during the season not make himself available for weeks and months at a time, not cool. That needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, but as far as this process, I mean, you're talking about $700 million, right? You know, are are we privy to boardroom discussions for other major corporations making deals that big? No, that's private. It should remain private. And we can find out about it later once once it happened. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I know Ken Rosenthal came out and, and spoke pretty vocally about this that um he feels that otani being being otani sort of sort of owed it to uh to the media and to just the baseball world at large to be a little bit more open about how things were unfolding here i i can see that side of things um just because i don't know it, it is it is a personal decision at the end of the day for shohei otani right and we don't necessarily want to be like interfering with people's private lives uh, excessively but also this is, you know, this is a very high profile free agent. And I think when you're in Otani's shoes, in, in my opinion, I think you have to you have to recognize that, yes, you have a right to privacy and, and you know, and, and to reason to a reasonable extent, while at the same time, I don't know, when you're a professional athlete, in my opinion, you're kind of signing up for for that. So let me ask you. Sure. What exactly did you want him to reveal that he didn't? I mean, we knew what teams were in on it, right? I mean, we, we heard early on that the Yankees weren't in on it. We knew the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, you know, the Giants, sure. the Angels were teams that were in on it. What were we missing from Otani and his camp? Like, what did we need to know and what should he have been revealing specifically? Yeah, that's a that's a fair question. I guess I guess we don't know. We don't I mean, we don't know what we're missing out on because we didn't we never really found it out throughout the process. Right. Um, but what I, did we know about Eduardo Rodriguez? Yeah, that's fair. Eduardo Rodriguez was was. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was very little information that came out about Eduardo Rodriguez throughout his whole process. But there's also just such a huge difference between Eduardo Rodriguez and Shohei Otani in terms of like the demand for information and whatnot. Um well, I'm with piece of Yoshi. 
You're with Pieces of Yoshi. I'm just glad it's just over. Just glad it's over. <laughs> Let's move on. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, well, hey, uh, it might not be $700 million, uh, but speaking about uh, big chunks of money, uh, one of the best holiday gifts that you can give uh, this Christmas season is the Holiday Scratchers over from our friends at Arizona Lottery. Uh, they make last minute shopping very, very easy. I'm definitely planning to take advantage of this. I am a uh, hardcore procrastinator when it comes to my Christmas shopping, Jack, which I'm sure is an utter shock to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, scratchers start at just one dollar. Uh, top prizes are up to five hundred thousand dollars. Not quite seven hundred million, but you can do you can do pretty well for yourself there as well. Uh, these tickets make the perfect stocking stuffer for those people in your life. Uh, go out and buy your holiday scratchers today. Find a retailer like our friends over at Circle K uh, near you at ArizonaLottery.com. You must be twenty one or older to play. Also want to tell you all real quick about our friends over at Wink. Uh, they make these lovely seltzers. Wink seltzers are available online for, co uh, for consumers uh, to buy direct uh, to their doorsteps at drinkwink.com. Uh, the product has THC and CBD in each can. It comes in 2.5 milligram cans and now 5 milligram cans as well online. Uh, zero grams of sugar, uh, zero calories, uh, come in a variety of flavors as well. Mango, lime, and black cherry. Uh, they taste crisp, clean, and refreshing. Zero hangovers, still creating fun social experience. You can buy them online in 12, 24, and variety packs right now. Of course, use promo code PHNX for an additional 50% off your total order. Well, it is Monday. Uh, we're not just going to uh, sit here and pontificate about uh, Shohei Otani and uh, how much information uh, we think should have been revealed throughout this entire process. Uh, it is Monday, and everyone on the show knows what we do on Monday. Damon, let's go to the mailbag. Can I just say you didn't do the right intro? Yeah, I know. But but when I host the show, I feel like it has to be different, Damon. I can't just step in here. And every try month to... is Pride Month. Every month is yeah. Indigenous you know, we Peoples can do the month. whole thing. Yeah, every week Shark, is Shark week. week. Every day is Earth every day. day is Damon's Day. Whatever, <laughs> Damon, put up put up the video. Let's let's do it. Let's go to the mail. All right, here we go. It is Mailbag Monday, and we are here to answer a whole bunch of questions. We have a lot to get to today, um, and Jack is here to help us get through all of these. So let's go ahead and uh, see what the first question is. This comes from Aaron Hughes. Aaron is a big fan of yours, Jack. He says, excited to see Jack on the show. A great guy. Uh, Aaron's question, given we get a DH, who would you like to see as a right-handed hitting outfield acquisition? I will start by saying that I don't know... I don't know that this is a given that the Diamondbacks get a DH and also have the ability to get a right-handed hitting outfielder. It might be a one or the other situation. Um, but Jack, when you think about right-handed hitting outfielders, who who comes to mind for you? Well, I mean, if if they spend a lot of money for a DH, then they're not going to have much left over for a right-handed hitting outfielder. So it's going right. to be a utility-type player. I mean, it could be... a hate to say it, but a desperate Tommy fam coming back because he can't get a full-time job. Um, you know, I wouldn't hate to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be somebody like Whit Merrifield not getting the market that he hopes for. Could be a Randall Gritchick on a rebound contract that would probably be pretty cheap. You know, so if, you, if you're talking about they've already gone and gotten a DH and now who else can you get for right field? Could be somebody along those lines. Sure. 
Uh, I guess if the Diamondbacks don't get a DH and they really focus on getting just an outfielder, uh, some options that have come up, Randy or Rosarena, of course, there have been some mm-hmm. some rumors there. Still seems a little bit far-fetched to me that the Diamondbacks are, are able to pull that off. We've, we've talked at length about him and how much money he's going to make and the assets it would probably cost to get him already on this show. Uh, Lane Thomas is another guy, another name that we've thrown around a lot. Uh, someone who has a, a cannon of an arm and would, yeah. would fit in pretty pretty nicely in that regard, moving Corbin Carroll over to left field, uh, give the Diamondbacks uh, an arm in the outfield that they that they don't have while also being a pretty good hitter. There's two more years of control there. Uh, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes over with the Orioles. Uh, bringing back Lourdes Gurriel, I guess, would be maybe a, a consideration here. Uh, what out of all those options or, or any others? I'm going to throw one more at you. you. Sure. Um, I, I always liked Adam Duvall. Okay. I, I, you know, I think that uh, if you look at his numbers, like if anyone's look bothering looking up his RDRS and all that, uh, most of those negative numbers come from time spent in center field. Sure. He's at least still, even at this age, a league average defender, maybe even a little better. Um, he's got pop. You know, he can play right field. Yeah. I, I, I see him as actually a pretty good fit. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, he's a free agent. Yes. Yes. So. Roster resource projects him to get one year, $8 million. You know, I mean, his projection isn't great, 0.3 war, but, you know, at this point with these guys, anyone that's not projected to get two war, you just ignore it. And, right. Like, do you think he's going to age out on you or not? He he hit okay last year. Yeah, 247, 21 homers, 58 RBI, played 92 games with the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, that I think that also that also could make some sense. Um, but yeah, it it does sort of we're going to talk more about this later. It does kind of seem like DH is the more likely option, at least as far as a, you know, someone who's not just a utility type like like you talked about. And maybe they're they're focusing on pushing the chips in there. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how things pan out. I, I think you've touched on it already um, in your previous shows. But, you know, Mike Hazen saying that he's more likely to add via free agency. Yeah. And either that DH slash right hand spot or his primary right hand bat, however right. he acquires it. Um, you know, he indicated that a couple of times. Um, and, and, the, and the reason that that's particularly interesting is because he emphasized also that, hey, there's no free agency during the season. Sure. And so you can turn back around and use your prospect capital to trade for a guy uh, at the trade deadline um, at that point. So, you know, I think that. I'm I'm thinking that he's going to end up filling these spots via free agency, and I think it's going to be one of those guys. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, even like Lane Thomas, like on paper, that makes sense. But are the Nationals really interested in trading Lane Thomas right sure. now? It, it, yeah, there's you know it takes two to tango, obviously, in all those situations. So uh, free agency definitely seems like the the more likely outcome. Can understand why Mike said that. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to the next question. What else we got? Uh, Gabriel says, can we compete against the Los Angeles Dodgers for the division? I don't know if people are going to like what we have to say about this, Jack. I'll, I'll let, I'll let you start. What do you, uh, what do you think? Uh, define Ken. Yeah. <laughs> define <laughs> compete. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, the, it is what it is. I hate to use that phrase. It's so tired, but <laughs> they've won the division 10 the last 11 years. The one year they didn't, they won yeah. 106 games. I mean, you know, they were already, even without Otani, projected to be, um, you know, a little better than the Diamondbacks on paper. 
They've added Otani. They're going to add more pitching. The Diamondbacks have added Eduardo Rodriguez and Suarez. I have the Diamondbacks projected between 82 and 84 wins right now. Sure. Um, you know, Dodgers are probably over 87, 88, and they're going to be adding pitching. So anybody that does odds, the odds makers in, in Vegas, um, fan graphs, after they run projections, all of that, I mean, they're all still going to favor the Dodgers. Can the D-backs compete for it? Sure, anything can happen. Yeah, Dodgers could have a whole slew of injuries, and everybody on the Diamondbacks stays healthy and outperforms their projections. You can't predict baseball. Right. But your starting point is six to eight games behind them. Yeah. Uh, a quote from Mike Hazen stood out to me. This is from his exit interview. So way back at the beginning of the offseason, the beginning of November, um, he was talking about uh, you know, just off-season plans, and this was before any of that stuff had happened, any of, you know, the Suarez deal, the Rodriguez deal. Uh, he said, you know, where we're going to stock, uh, stack out on paper versus the Dodgers going into the season, I don't know. My guess is we're still going to be on paper pinned well behind from a projection standpoint, no matter what we do. And, yeah, that was just kind of always the reality. I mean, no matter how aggressive the Diamondbacks are this off-season, it's just hard to see how they would possibly close that gap on paper. But like you said, this is baseball. We see crazy things happen. People didn't have the Diamondbacks in the World Series either. And yet that is a thing that happened uh, just about a month ago. So uh, anything can happen. But on paper, yeah, you know, even with the improvements that the D-backs could still make this offseason, there's there's just no way that that gap could possibly be be closed on paper. I mean, I, I feel pretty good about their ability to compete for the wild card again. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, that's not what the question was, but, no, but hey, <laughs> yes. positivity. Yeah, there, there you go. There you go. That, yeah, absolutely. They're they're right. They're right in the thick of that race. I don't I don't think there's any question about their ability to compete for the playoffs. Competing with the with the Dodgers in the division is a is a whole other matter. Uh, Damon, what do we uh, what do we got next? Uh, Cesar says, does the Otani signing by the Dodgers start an arms race in the NL West? Do the D-backs become more aggressive? and try and pick up Jorge Soler or Randy Rosarena. We also got another question about this from Ryan Page, about whether the D-backs would sort of rip open the checkbook now that Otani is signed with the Dodgers and, you know, try to react and counter as, as best they can, as best as best as you can counter a, a move like that. Uh, what is your what is your feeling on this? Well, I'm, I'm hearing Mike Hazen's voice in my head. And, you know, if we asked him this question, he would just say, that's not going to impact. We have our plan. Yeah. We're going to do what we're going to do. We have to be true to our plan, our budget, and everything else that they have to do themselves. I, I don't think that that has one iota of influence. I, I think they're most likely have anticipated the Dodgers making significant moves like this. Right. Um, you know, Ken has come through with a payroll budget. I mean, they're already on the verge of setting a record, depending on where you have them. I have them at 100 and 28 million. Nick Pecoraro had him at 133 million. Their prior franchise payroll record was 131. And so there looks like they're heading to 140 million, maybe even getting to 150. Yeah. So they're blowing by their previous franchise payroll record. They're already doing everything that they possibly can. Yeah. I mean, granted, there's, you know, there's been substantial inflation in, in recent years. So uh, you know, sir, you can't, it's not necessarily an apples to apples comparison, like payroll this year versus payroll several years ago, but sure. obviously, you know, with COVID and everything, there was, you know, there was, there were some, some shortfalls there for a time and, and teams of a lot of teams around the league have, you know, kind of slowly come out of that. So that, that's certainly a, certainly a factor there as well. But yeah, I, I think I'd, 
really just agree on this one. I don't think there's any reactionary, you know, the Diamondbacks are the D-backs are not that shocked by this, frankly. Like yeah. the the Dodgers signing Shohei Otani was not something that the Diamondbacks hadn't accounted for or hadn't thought about entering this offseason. Like you said, I just don't think teams really do that. It, it seems like, you know, if you're in a front office, you've got your plan, you know, you've got your idea of what's going to make your team the best it can be the next year, and you're gonna follow through with that plan no matter what other teams around you do. Uh let's go to the let's go to the next one. Bill says, will the D-backs bring back Just Stingers? Of course, Just Stingers is J.D. Martinez. Uh, we've talked about J.D. Martinez a good amount on this show at this point. Um, we've kind of, you know, already gone through the the fit and how it, it makes some sense. And uh, certainly from J.D. Martinez's perspective, he's not going to be going back to L.A. The Dodgers don't need a D.H. anymore. So he's on the market and and by all accounts would make sense for the Diamondbacks. And, and this has been reported that there's interest there. Um, I think Bob Nightingale wrote that the Diamondbacks are hopeful about getting J.D. Martinez with Justin Turner also in the mix as well. We've heard other names. We've heard Reese Hoskins name, uh, Jorge Soler's name thrown around as well. Uh, what's your what's your sense of the, the J.D. Martinez fit? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, he's a fit, right? You know, he's a good yeah. hitter. He still, his batted ball metrics were fantastic last year. I mean, there's virtually no difference between 2023 and 2017 in the underlying batted ball metrics. Derek but said he looks at uh, he looks at JD's baseball savant page before he goes to bed every night, just dreaming of <laughs> dreaming of having JD on the Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's pretty exciting. But you know, it's funny. I I was pretty confident, or I guess optimistic that. He could be a legit possibility. Yeah. But some of the buzz that I'm reading and just sensing from this morning, his price tag is going up. And I and I think that the teams that lost out on Otani, there's two or three of them that are going to bid up the top two or three yeah. DH prospects, including JD. So that could get a little tough. I mean, what if he needs two years, $36 million to sign? Then that's that Diamondbacks aren't going to do that. Yeah. I mean, MLB Trade Rumors says two years, $40 million which to me feels a little on the high end. I think that might be a little over the top. But yeah, 2 and 36 is is pretty realistic. And you know, other guys might be in a in a similar range like Reese Hoskins. I don't know if you're getting Reese Hoskins for, you know, 2 years and 20 million or something like that. There's probably going to be a a decent price tag there. So, uh the cost is is certainly uh prohibitive to some extent. Uh, but given the interest that the Diamondbacks have, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if that was the move that they made. And yeah, it absolutely makes it makes a ton of sense. JD is one of those guys. I will say that it, it feels like at some point he's just not going to really be able to hit anymore, and it could just kind of happen whenever. Uh, he struck out, I believe, thirty one point four percent of the time last year, which is a big number. I mean, you can still be a productive hitter with that high of a strikeout rate, but not that many guys can do it. And it's very much dependent on you just destroying the baseball, which is what J.D. Martinez did this last year. But as he continues to age, can, I don't know. Like, how long can J.D. Martinez do that for? His Wobacon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Woba bacon. I love that. There's bacon in <laughs> metrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for all of you who think that we stat nerds don't have fun, we're just talking about bacon all the time, right? <laughs> now, you know, it, the, you mentioned a 31% K rate. Yeah. It was 24% last year, which is shocking that it right. went up that much in one season. Right. Somebody on Twitter had been talking to me and said, well, you know, I'm a little concerned about Solaire's strikeout rate. And I went and double checked. It's like 25, I it think. It was 24 last year. Yeah. 24 point something. I mean, he actually had a 7% better K rate than 
than Martinez, which right. uh, it was surprised me. So, you know, I, the, where is the cliff's edge, right? Then you always worry about that with guys in your late 30s. Um, you know, one of the other candidates is three years older, Justin Turner. Yeah. He's 39. So, I mean, the thing about Solaire is he's younger, right? He's got a better projection, actually. I think it, yeah. his projection for WRC Plus is 119. You have uh, JD, shockingly, is only projected 106. I don't understand. That is interesting. Um, but that's why Solaire's booked to get a three or four year deal. Yeah. I mean, giving giving JD Martinez one year, I think, you know, even if it's a higher dollar value, that that's something you could talk yourself into. Giving JD two years and counting on this level of production, I mean, it wouldn't be this level of production. Counting on, you know, him to be a productive DH for two more seasons is a bit of a gamble. I mean, he's 36 years old, I want to say. Mm -hmm. That's... There, there's there's definitely some risk there. So our our good friend Nick Picoro yeah. at AZ Central, he thinks that the Diamondbacks only have another $7 million left they can spend, whereas, you know, other people have reported it's as high as 15 to $20 million more to go. Sure. Um, so that's the $64 question, right? You know, how much left do they have in the budget? If it's if $7 it's all, million, it's not that's not, not going to get any you. of those guys. No. No, I mean at that point you could you could maybe bring back Tommy Pham, I guess. Let me let me give you a name sure. that was given to me um, on Twitter that uh, by another good friend James Atwood. Yeah. Uh, sorry to plug all my buddies, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're my buddies too. It's okay. I got to give credit where credit's due. Right? <laughs> I don't want to be like some reporters out there; they always forget to give credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but uh, he mentioned uh, Tom Murphy as a DH kind of emergency catcher type guy. Sure. If they only have seven million left to spend. Bringing in a guy like that, who's a, you know a lefty killer, he doesn't play a lot. But the last couple of years, I mean, it's like one forty, you know, one twenty eight, whatever it is, OPS plus, WRC plus. I mean, yeah. guy's been 40 percent above league average hitter each of the last two years in a part time role for the Mariners, and he can play catcher, although he's not very good at it. He doesn't throw anybody out at all. It gives me <laughs> a, it gives me Mitch Garver vibes a little bit. Um, you know, guy who can really hit. But, uh, you know, not really bringing you much defensively. I, I can see the fit there. Uh, I mean, he's only been like his career hitting stats are not all that great. But over the last two seasons, I mean, it's about 200 plate appearances. But he has been. I mean, it's a 146 OPS plus over 200 plate appearances, which is which is compelling. Yeah. And I think it's a pretty big split, too. I think lefties. Sure. He's hit lefties really well. Uh, again, I'm talking about a kind of a lower, lower and lower tier fill for a right-handed bat that you can put in a DH. Of course, that probably means a lot of Paven Smith yeah. batting on the other side of it. Sure. Uh, let's go to the next one. What else What else we got, Damon? Uh, Sean says, uh, do you think the D-backs consider swapping defense for offense by trading Alec Thomas for a right-handed outfielder with pop? It's a, it'd be a big move for the D-backs to trade Alec Thomas uh, no, matter, no matter what they get. I don't know if I see them trading Alec Thomas, period, this offseason, but Jack, I'll let you go first here. What do you what do you think? Well, I mean, are you talking about trading Alec Thomas plus something for Randy or Rosarina? Sure. I mean, I could see something like that. At least you have an impact player coming back. Um, but again, Mike Hazen's words to your question um, when we were in Nashville echo in our in my ears. He's very uh, it, what you had asked. I think what's the threshold? 
yeah. for a hitter in center field. He's so enamored with uh, Thomas's defense, as he should be, um, that he doesn't need to hit a lot for Mike to hold a very high valuation for him. Right. He's got to hit a little bit more than he did the last couple of regular seasons. Uh, they're looking at that postseason maybe as a turning point for him. Uh, so I, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't think that they're going to bring in uh, a mediocre fielder that strikes out a lot but hits home runs for Alec Thomas. No, sure, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, it does seem like the Diamondbacks highly value defense, especially in center field, which is a, a kind of a tricky position to play at Chase Field. The, the D-backs could, you know, I mean, Corbin Carroll is okay in center field. Not great, but okay. Jake McCarthy can play center field. Not great, but okay. I have a hard time seeing them move on from Thomas unless it gets them someone else who can play center field, frankly. Um, I think they would want to have that that assurance defensively. And I don't know who you could trade Alec Thomas for, who is, you know, a notable upgrade offensively, who also, you know, can can play. Some people are saying Luis Robert in the in the chat, which uh, if you could pull that off, then, you know, sure. But I, I don't think sure, a five war player hit 38 home runs last year. Uh, go for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Alec Thomas for Luis Robert straight up. Clearly, that's a clearly that's a fair trade. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I see it. Uh, to your point, the Diamondbacks clearly have a value on center field defense. You can understand why. And Alec Thomas is is still a very young player. He's the kind of player where. You know, if you if you trade him away, there's a there's a chance that Alec Thomas figures things out, not only against righties to a greater extent, but kind of figures out how to hit lefties and could be a really valuable player if he's if he's able to do that at some point. So, um, you know, I guess it's possible, but certainly certainly doesn't seem likely. Uh, Damon, what do we uh, what do we got next? I believe next is your uh, other question. Next is our other question. Yes, uh, this one, uh, this one we couldn't make a graphic for, but we do have one more question for this segment. Uh, what is your this is from Matt on Twitter. What is your level of concern with the amount of pitching talent in the prospect pipeline uh, with a couple years left until Gallon and Kelly uh, reach free agency? I'm hoping we have some reinforcements on the way. Uh, yeah, level of concern, Jack. What where would you where would you put that? I would say medium to medium high. Okay. Um, if I can plug my partner yes, over please. inside the Diamondbacks. <laughs> so uh, Michael McDermott, who uh, publishes our top 30 prospects list, I, I channeled him for this question and worked, talked to him about it this morning. You know, on his list of pro pitching prospects, he doesn't have any prospects or guys with rookie eligibility, which for a New York minute still includes Slade Sacconi and, and uh, Bryce Jarvis. They'll lose their rookie eligibility like a couple weeks into the season mm. if they both make the opening day roster. Sure. But nobody's got a, a future value rate rating over 45, which on the 2080 scout scale, I mean, you you really need a guy that's like a 50 or a 55 to say, okay, we got a guy coming. Right. Um, and they don't really have that. I mean, you know, Walston, Yumin Lin, uh, I would say Grayson Hitt has got the potential, but he's coming off Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Um, he's only a 45 because of that. If he comes back from Tommy John surgery mid-year and he's throwing 94, 95, 96, then he could be a guy. But uh, right now, you know, you got to hope that Brandon Fought translates what he just did over the last month or two of the season and the postseason. Right. And keeps moving forward, develops his changeup. Uh, there really isn't a top, starting pitching prospect coming along in the system. Yeah. That's a concern. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, even Brandon fought, even though I think, you know, he very much like promising in the postseason. Do you project Brandon fought as a number one starter who could, you know, take the take the role of a guy like Zach Gallen or even Merrill Kelly? Probably not. Right. Uh, probably more of a mid rotation profile there, maybe a little bit above that, depending on how things work out. One guy that I will say I'm intrigued by is is Dylan Ray, mm-hmm. a righty that the Diamondbacks took uh, early on in the 2022 draft. His numbers aren't necessarily going to blow you away, but he has a fastball, a slider, and a changeup that all are pretty decent pitches. The curveball seems to be a little bit, maybe a little bit on the on the fringe of your side. Um, and at times, his velo has flashed a little bit higher than than it's than it's you know normally been. I think he was averaging around ninety two, but he's reached ninety eight. You know, if you could if you could get Dylan Ray up into the mid nineties, I know his slider has also played up at times in, in the low nineties. You know, kind of a tight breaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see his profile kind of elevating and being more of a maybe more of a, a frontline starter if a lot of things go right. It's certainly not sort of the baseline projection for him. But, you know, you Min Lin, there's certainly some there's an intriguing package there. But you talk about a guy being 5'11 and being 160 pounds. You're just not really used to seeing those guys turn into frontline starters. You know, Dylan Ray doesn't necessarily have any any one glaring challenge to me that makes it seem like, oh, you know, he could never be a, a frontline starter. I would say, you know, with Ray, he's also Michael's also got him at a 45. Yeah, um, I, I I asked him about that. I said, you know, all this stuff ratings are pretty good right but there are command issues there sure I yeah mean, that's the you know how many times do we say oh if this guy ever you know figures gets out command to... and control and figures that yeah. out he's going to be really good and most of them don't right um, but that's he mike michael's got him inside his top 10 so definitely got to keep an eye on you know with lynn i mean lynn has a 60 change up you know, he's got yeah, a really probably the best change I mean, up in the system. He's got a 50, 55 slider. Right. You know, but the, the main thing with him is his fastball is a 40. It's a 90 mile, 89, 90 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. And, you know, he's only 19, just turned 20, I think. Right. Yeah. I believe so. If he was an inch or two taller and 20 pounds heavier and there was a little bit more upside projection to achieve some higher velocity, perhaps. But it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to project him to, to be, you know, a frontline starter. Uh, if if he can hang in there as a four or five, great. Um, whether he end, he might end up as, a, you know, a reliever. So uh, right now, I would say you probably identify the guy with the closest to it is Dylan Ray. Yeah, and I kind of got my eye on on hit. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, we were talking about Shota Imanaga and, and his potential fit with the Diamondbacks recently and kind of similar conversations is with Yumin Lin. Imanaga is listed at 5'10", 176, uh, also as a left-handed starter. So, yeah, it's like, you know, how how much are teams willing to, to bet on these guys? It's always always a fascinating question. The results for Yumin Lin have been outstanding, but in the long term, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to project someone like that as, as, a, as a really good starting pitcher. Over, over the, just real quick, yeah. over the years, whenever I see a guy racking up strikeouts with the changeup at double A and below, sure, I always raise a question mark. Put him up in AAA and see if that changeup plays because yeah. AAA hitters are older. They know what a changeup looks like. That's where you start to see a separation there. If the changeup's really that great, that it makes up for everything else, fine. But you know, young hitters are fooled by changeups. 
Sure. So always, always keep an alert out when you see a changeup guy racking up strikeouts in the low minors. Yeah, it's a, it's a good call. Uh, well, hey, speaking of uh, speaking of predicting the future, as we're trying to do with some of these pitching prospects, uh, you all should download the BetMGM sportsbook app, uh, where you can place uh, you can place some some bets and uh, you know stake your claim on on what you think is going to happen in in uh, Monday Night Football or whatnot. Uh, Damon is actually going to step in here and uh, stake his claim of what he thinks is going to happen. In, uh, in Monday Night Football. Damon, you have a little, little parlay action set up for us here? Yeah, what's up, guys? So um, make sure you watch the PHNX Bets show, there you go. Uh, which we do uh, Monday through thir- Monday through Wednesday, Friday, and then a Saturday show typically. Um, and I'll be giving out this pick on the PHNX Bets show. We give out three bets every day. Uh, and uh, I'll give you guys a little taste. My parlay, uh, BetMGM parlay of the day, parlay of the week, whatever. Yep. Uh, it is going to be Dolphins minus six and a half. And Packers money line. Combine those guys together. Get it at minus one sixteen. I'll be betting that on the BetMGM sportsbook app. I just really need uh, Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry to come through for me tonight, Damon, for my fantasy team. Yes, Jesse um, is uh, safe from Waffle House. It seems it it does appear that way. But I do. I mean, I think Saul is going to lose pretty much no matter what. So I'm I'm pretty safe. But I do need about two more points. I need two points between Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry in order to win today. So I feel I feel pretty good about my chances. Um, but yeah, uh, you can you can place that that very wise parlay that Damon just just gave you over at the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook mobile application of at least ten dollars. That bet loses. Your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled pretty incredible incredible deal uh, that they have going over there right now if you use our bonus code of phnx so be sure to do that Uh, you can check out the show notes for full details and now listen to shane talk about the disclaimer Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. 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 Thanks. Dan. I'll help you out. <laughs> Thanks, Damon. I appreciate it. We we do that every. We, it's a, it's a thing, Jack. Uh, yeah. Derek started it, and I was forced to follow. Um, <laughs> which is how most things go on the PHNX Deepak show. Let's let's be honest here. Yeah, uh, Perfect simile. I can't keep up with him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, uh, if you haven't become a PHNX diehard uh, yet, we absolutely would encourage you to do so. Um, you can go over to our website and and do that now. Uh, all of our uh, diehard only content, of course, is available only to diehards. Uh, all of our written content behind the paywall from myself, from Craig Morgan covering the Coyotes, Gerald Bourget covering the Suns, and all of our other incredible writers over at gophnx.com. All of that paywall content uh, is available to our diehards. You also get a free t-shirt from the PHNX Locker every month, as well as 20% all uh, off all merch from the PHNX Locker, as well as all of our events which includes our takeovers during the season out at Chase Field, 
Uh, we had a lot of fun with that, uh, doing one of those every month this past season. We hope to do uh, something similar uh, next year as well. So if you're a diehard, you'll you'll get a special deal there as well. So be sure to do that over at gophnx.com if you have not already. Uh, also want to tell you about our friends over at Game Time, which is a fantastic way to buy tickets for not only sporting events, but also concerts as well. It's a lovely personal experience, very aesthetically pleasing. One of the nicer looking apps that you'll, that you'll find, which is uh, especially important to me. Uh, you can snag all of your tickets for all those different events without the stress over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHNX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And with that, we'll jump back into the mailbag here. Damon, what do we, uh, what else we got? Uh, Justin, uh, at Justin AZ Trader 7 on Twitter says, are the Diamondbacks considering a lower tier starter like Jack Flaherty? What are the chances that they bring Lourdes Gurriel Jr. back? Kind of two separate questions here, Jack. We'll start at the top. Are the Diamondbacks considering a, a lower tier starter like Jack Flaherty? It, it kind of seems to me that uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was kind of the big get from a starting pitching standpoint. I think I would be surprised, frankly, if the Diamondbacks did uh, anything else. I know Nick Picoro, um wrote about how, you know, that fifth starter is, at least according to Mike Hayes, in that fifth starter spot right now comes down to those start those young starters. And it kind of seems like that's how it's going to that's going to play out. So I would be pretty surprised if Jack Flaherty was on the table, but I guess never say never. I guess that might still be possible. I, I do seem to remember at one point Mike had said that uh, it's he didn't rule out bringing in two pitchers. Yeah. But I think that that was more revolving around if he wasn't able to land one of the upper tier guys that right. he did end up landing. So by bringing in Rodriguez, I think it rules out them signing another free agent starter that would uh, you know, be expensive enough to force them to slot them in as number five. Yeah, I, I agree. I would be pretty shocked if there was another another starting pitching move. It's probably going to be Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson, Slade Ciccone, you know, Bryce Jarvis, one of those guys uh, getting that number five spot. And that's how we'll, how we'll roll into the season. Maybe they look at adding someone at the trade deadline. Certainly would never would never rule that out. But it does feel like that's that's kind of their last move there. We could also revive our debate over um, Ryan Nelson versus Mitch Keller. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we had an offline debate about, you know, I was like, well, don't give up on Ryan Nelson too quickly. Sure. You know, he throws pretty hard. He's got velocity. If he gets command of his off-speed stuff and finds, a you know, a way to maintain his velocity, there's no reason. he. Mitch Keller, through his first 39 career starts, had a 6 ERA. Yeah. You know, and so there's, you know, guys like that, you know, whether it's him or Tommy Henry, um, you know, it, Bryce Jarvis, any of these guys. Of course, Slade Saccone develops a third pitch. He's got a good fastball slider. Right. You know, they got four guys. Any one of them could possibly step forward. And when you have that many that are on the cusp of being a fifth starter, why would you at this point devote any more resources to signing another pitcher? Right. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, Mike did say that, like, you know, in an ideal world, the D-backs would get multiple starters. And I still think that would be ideal just because... You know, just because Ryan Nelson or Tommy Henry or any of those guys wouldn't be in the rotation on day one, they're still going to pitch eventually, right? Like you're still going to need six, right. seven, eight, nine starters in order to make it through a season. So uh, I still, I still understand why adding another starter. I think still, and probably still a pretty good idea. I don't really expect it to happen. Uh, the second part of this question, though, bringing back Lourdes Gurriel Jr. 
Uh, what do you think about about that part of things here, Jack? Um, I was almost taken aback during his uh, pregame interview before Game Five of the World Series. Yeah, it felt like a goodbye tour. Sure. I mean, it it's it sounded like he had already made up his mind. Like, oh, this was wonderful. Everyone here has been like family. Um, he, he was already saying his thank you Diamondbacks fan speech before the World Series was over. That's what it felt like sitting there listening to it. It doesn't exactly bode well for a, for a reunion. Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's fair. His family's all in Miami. Um, you know, I, the teams he's been linked to are all East Coast teams. Right. That's spring train in Miami. Um, and from the Diamondbacks side, I mean, he was good, but he was also very streaky. And, you know, when you add it all up, is it worth it for them to invest in him for a three-year deal or a four-year deal? Yeah. Which is probably what it's going to take if he can get it. I mean, he's looking for a multi-year deal. Right. Yeah, four years for for Lourdes really wouldn't really wouldn't shock me. Um, maybe three years is more likely, but yeah, it's going to be a decent investment. I mean, this isn't Lourdes for one year and five million dollars, which is you know the situation for for twenty twenty three. The D backs didn't have to pay him very much. Bringing him back for you know fourteen fifteen million, whatever that looks like, is is a much more substantial investment. So the odds don't seem to be uh, in in the D backs' favor to, to to make that happen. Uh, Damon, what do we uh, what do we got next year? Uh, Carson says, do D-backs, do the D-backs start to trade prospects for big names now knowing that they have three top picks next year? It is true. Um, they have three top picks next year. They're not exactly uh, high first round picks, mm -hmm. but they do pick at number 29. That's their regular first round pick. They have the 31st pick because of Corbin Carroll. And then they also have the 35th pick as well uh, in the competitive balance round. So it's a nice haul of draft picks. I don't know if I see that making a huge difference for them in terms of being more comfortable trading prospects. This farm system is, you know, doesn't quite grade out the way that it used to when Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and all those guys were still in it. But uh, what is what is your feeling on this? Um, I, I go back again to what Mike said about, you know, holding on to his prospects until the trade deadline. I don't think it's. Sure. Impossible that he'll trade a top level guy, of course. I mean, you know, the Rosarina. I don't want to sit here and say, no, he's going to, he's not going to trade any of them. And then sure. 24 hours later, you know, I got mud on my face because that's exactly what he did. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be the first time. But it, the odds are that he's going to continue to try to do his via free agency for now and keep his prospects until he, he really has a better chance during the season to evaluate whether or not moving one will push them over the over the goal line. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, maybe by all accounts, the Diamondbacks are willing to talk about anyone at this point. I think Mike Hazen made it clear when we were at the winter meetings that, yeah, like they're open to anything. But at the same time, there's there's a tremendous amount of value in some of those young players. He talked about how a lot of those top prospects could be in the majors pretty soon. Now they view them not as just prospects, but as young major leaguers. Uh, a guy like Jordan Lawler would would certainly fit in that category. So, yeah, I don't think them having the three picks next year really changes the equation much. Uh, you know, there's clearly some willingness to to deal from that top of the farm system if the opportunity presents itself. But it doesn't necessarily seem like that's going to happen. It's probably probably fairly unlikely at this point. The the one thing which I'm sure you guys have already talked about was. Mike's comments about um, Drew Jones essentially being untouchable. Yeah, yeah, we did touch on that the other day. And so, you know, I started thinking, like, if he if he breaks out and Christian Robinson 
really takes a step forward. Sure. That might at some point, circling back to the whole Alec Thomas thing, give Mike a better opportunity to consider trading Alec if he can plug the holes quickly enough. Yeah. Uh, Damon, let's uh, let's go to the next one. What else we got? Uh, can the D-backs trade for Pete Crow Armstrong? Interesting. It's a very, very specific question. Jack, how do we feel about Pete Crow Armstrong? My Top prospect is, with the Chicago Cubs. Why? Yeah. <laughs> he's, well, I mean, he's not a bad prospect at all, but he's left-handed. Yeah. Right. And the Diamondbacks need another left-handed outfield like they need a hole in the head. <laughs> um, the, you know, interesting. I mean, he showed actually more power than he was projected to have coming, yeah. out, coming out of school. Um, but a higher strikeout rate. Like the whole thing about him was, you know, he had a flat level swing and he was going to hit line drives and he was going to hit for average. And instead what he's done is he's struck out a lot and hit for 230 ISO. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that that's the type of player he's developed into. Um, I just don't see it. I don't see why they would do that. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't need another left-handed bat. And I don't really think the Cubs are especially interested in in trading Pico Armstrong at this point. I'm not really sure how that would make sense from from their perspective. Uh, he's an intriguing prospect for sure, but yeah, I mean you'd have to you'd have to give up a lot in order to pry him away from the Cubs, and it, it doesn't seem like the juice is worth the squeeze for the D-backs there. Agree, uh, Damon. What do we got next? Uh, Michael Rokicki. This is a fascinating one. You can only choose one outcome for the 2024 season. Number one, a 300, 400, 500 slash line for Corbin Carroll. Number two, a 2020 season for Alec Thomas. Or number three, Zach Gallen finally winning a Cy Young Award. Jack, what do you got here? Um, well, if I can choose only one, I'm going to choose number three because I don't think that um, the Diamondbacks are going to be you know, strong contenders without a Cy Young caliber season from Zach Gallen. Sure. They can get there with an 850 OPS instead of a 900 OPS from Carroll. They can get there with a 10 and 10 season from Alec Thomas. Um, but they're not going to get there if Zach Gallen uh, doesn't pitch like a Cy Young candidate. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Zach Gallen is obviously really important to this team and he didn't pitch especially well down the stretch and, and even in the playoffs. So getting him back on track and more like the pitcher that we saw in 2022 is certainly going to be an important factor for, for the D-backs. My answer here, I, I could go, honestly, either the Gallon direction or I, I think I would go with Alec Thomas here. A 2020 season from Alec Thomas. Granted, there is some world where Alec Thomas has a 2020 season and maybe maybe like he doesn't improve that much. Like he got to 20 homers, but he only hit 230 or whatever. But in my mind, if Alec Thomas is a 2020 season, it probably means that he took some pretty big steps forward that maybe he's in there against lefties every day because he's found a way to hit lefties mm -hmm. a little bit better. If Alec Thomas breaks out in some way in 2024, that would be an enormous development for the Diamondbacks. In my mind, yes, Zach Gallon would be great if he won a Cy Young award, but you know, he finished, what was it? Fifth in Cy Young voting this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and the D-backs were okay with Zach Gallon finishing fifth, right? And Corbin Carroll getting up to 300, 400, 500. My baseline expectation for him is not even that much lower than that. Um, it's a little bit lower than that, but that's not necessarily a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So I don't see like a huge needle mover there. If Alec Thomas breaks out, 
that's a huge needle mover for the D-backs in 2024. So that would be that would be my choice there. I had the same thought when I looked at the 2020. What's the OVP that goes with that? Right. Yeah, there are <laughs> there are some unanswered questions there. That's that's fair. Um, even the 20, honestly, 20 stolen bases might be less likely than than 20 homers. Agree. Because yeah, he really doesn't steal. Uh, he was he was efficient uh, in 2023. He was nine for ten. But even if you go back through his minor league numbers, he never stole more than 15 bases in a season, uh, which is maybe surprising given given how fast he is. But uh, but yeah, I think him getting to 20 steals would would be a that would be a sight to behold for sure. Yeah. Well, I agree with you on the upside. Like you know, it, number two would certainly it is would be an indication he's playing every day. Yeah, um, and so that would be an indication that he's hitting lefties enough to play every day. Right, and so you know that certainly would be the biggest surprise out of these three three possibilities. Uh, to answer a piece of Yoshi's question, I voted for Rookie of the Year. I did not vote for uh, did not vote for Cy Young this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Who'd you vote for? <laughs> <laughs> I voted for uh, you know Altman. Uh, yeah, Outman <laughs> was my number one selection for Rookie of the Year. No, my ballot has already been revealed on this show. The people know what my ballot looked like. Uh, let's go to our next question, Damon. What else we got? Uh, finish off here with a couple of fun ones. Uh, Cog says, this one is for all of you. What is your favorite Christmas gift that you have ever gotten? I'll go first here, Jack. Uh, this goes back to, um, <laughs> this is a bit of an odd answer, but uh, this goes back to like 2005, 2006. It was Christmas Eve. And my family is out at a movie. We're like watching some Christmas movie uh, the night before Christmas. And we get home and there's this big SUV parked in our in our driveway. And there are presents stacked uh, from under our tree. There are presents stacked in our backyard. And there is a man actively robbing our house as we are pulling up. It's one of the scariest moments of my childhood. Um, but the what? the humorous part of this is that this man came away with like all of the least valuable presents under our tree. So I got a karaoke machine that year. This is when I was like seven <laughs> or eight years old. I was really excited about this karaoke That's machine. That's what you wanted when you were seven or eight. That's a very, karaoke uh, machine. It, at least one of the things. Uh, I wasn't exactly on my list. My parents got me a karaoke machine. And uh, and this guy who robbed our house got away with like the dog's toys and like the like all of the <laughs> crappiest things. But my karaoke machine, I still got. So for me, that's one of my the most memorable gift that I've that I've probably ever gotten. Um, for me, I was probably about eight years old, and uh, well, so my Your house step- was being robbed too. <laughs> no, my stepdad was really into Christmas. I mean, okay. he was like total like. Christmas vacation, Chevy Chase. I mean, sure. the whole house, the whole neighborhood was lit up like crazy, um, you know, just because of his lights. And he would over-decorate the house, and he bought tons of presents. He was great. It was wonderful. But the most fun gift was it came downstairs, and he had a slot car um, set up for me. And there were Formula One slots. I, I don't know the uh, size now. I think it was like 124. They weren't the ones that were this big that you took to the out, outside uh, wow. slot car places, but they were probably about, you know, at least six inches long. And that was fun because it, it, he had the whole living room and hallway all dominated by the track. Eventually we moved it down to our rather sizable basement and uh, all my friends came over like for the next six months before we our attention spans went elsewhere, um, you know they they all came. We had races and we there kept track. Go. We had like a racing league and all of that stuff. Of course, we had to geek out while we did it. But, yeah, uh, 
but that was fun. That was one of the most fun gifts uh, that I ever got. There you go. Very cool. Uh, well, Karen has a, a bit of a follow-up to this question as well. Our final mailbag question for this show. Uh, to counter Cogs, what is the favorite gift that you have ever given to someone else? <laughs> Mine, of course, Jack, is merch from the PHNX Locker because it just <laughs> never, it, it, people I just absolutely love it. And for me, it's uh, especially, it's like the, the easiest way to like knock out, you know, a whole bunch of people on my list because I just, you know, I know there's going to be something from the PHNX Locker that will satisfy them. Uh, what are you, uh, what, what comes to mind for you here? Well, it's not one particular gift and this is really sappy. Sorry, guys, but I have to do it. <laughs> I've been married for 40 years. Ah, here we go. And my wife's a bit of like, you know, she's from Taiwan and she didn't grow up celebrating Christmas. Sure. Um, and so like she'll act like Scrooge or the Grinch. You know, during the lead up to Christmas. But when we're actually opening presents, she gets really excited. So we always tease her about it. And it just some years she's so happy with the gift that she gets and seeing her face light up. And last last year I gave her a new iPad and she had no idea it was coming. Wow. So, you know, she opens up this uh, Apple by, oh, my God, and, you know, just seeing the, the expression on her face and the happiness on her face huh. year after year, no matter what I give her, she reacts like that. So it's so funny that Scrooge is always the happiest whatever present she gets <laughs> well if she was that happy for an ipad jack imagine how she would react to merch from the phnx locker sure. I, mean, I can't even imagine what that would look like i'll make sure i hook her up yeah there we go <laughs> absolutely um yeah well that uh that finishes up our our mailbag here for this mailbag monday edition i uh, want to tell you all about our friends over at shady rays which speaking of uh christmas gifts this would make a very a very, very fine one or for someone special in your life. Shady Raids makes gear built to last with premium polarized shades. These are the sunglasses that we all wear um, both outside the office and inside the office uh, on occasion, which still confuses me whenever I see that. Um, but uh, yeah, we absolutely love our friends over at Shady Raids. They, of course, are well known uh, for their loss and broken replacements policy, uh, where if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, uh, they tell us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. They have your back long after you purchase. They, Derek, of course, has taken advantage of this. Uh, he took advantage of this very shortly after he purchased his Shady Rays and uh, lost them somehow because that's what Derek does. Uh, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHNX for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. An even bigger gift that you could give uh, someone in your life is uh, new flooring uh, over from our friends at Empire Today. Empire Today keeps shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. Their philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. Sometimes in this world, uh, subtraction can really be addition when it comes to shopping for floors. There's just like way too many options in front of you. So uh, they're good at picking out exactly what would be the best fit for you and making sure you know about it. You can schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $300 off discount when they use the promo code PHNX. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash PHNX for details. Well, Jack, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on today. We appreciate it. Your crew here is making me laugh with all the comments about your childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get. I don't think I've told Derek that story, and he probably will kind of freak out when he hears it for the first time. That's like so. my worst nightmare, man. It was it was an intense but moment. How did I'm it not end? Can you can you like you you 
you came up on him robbing the house so how did he get out of there yeah well obviously seven-year-old me stormed into the house and went in there and you know checked out the scene and told him to get the heck out of there um (laughs) no that did not happen i was i was in our family minivan utterly terrified and i want to say my parents called the cops like as you do of course um and then uh he he left shortly thereafter he like came out the back gate of our house and abandoned whatever gifts he was about to take. Um, and he very quickly zipped out of there in this big SUV. He like backed up and then he like drove away in a way where we couldn't get his license plate, which was uh, which was unfortunate. Um, so he was a pro's pro. He was a he was a pro's pro. Um, but yeah, we went my, my parents very bravely went inside to see what had happened. And he had smashed one of the windows in our house. They were like, blood droplets everywhere which made it very easy to identify him after the fact um but yeah he he broke into uh the office actually so he he walks by like our computer and all of the big time tech equipment and goes to our christmas tree and picks out like like i said earlier like the, play toys yeah exactly like all of the toys for our dog and whatnot so it was a happy ending when he might not have been really a pro's pro yeah flashes of home alone going through my yeah head. yeah right exactly <laughs> sure, was it marv <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was it was uh honestly one of the crazier moments in my childhood uh fortunately i think that was the only time i was ever robbed growing up um i hope you don't have extensive stories that are similar jack That'd no be, no trauma from the no, holidays no your your part of chandler is a little bit i don't I don't know. <laughs> My parents live in a very, uh, you know, reasonably nice neighborhood. But I guess this particular Christmas Eve, something was something was awry. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, thank you all so much for being here with us on this Mailbag Monday edition of the PHNX D-Back show. Of course, you can give me a follow on Twitter. I am at Jesse and Friedman. Give Jack a follow on Twitter as well. He is at ShoeWizard59. Correct. Nailed it. Got it. Uh, Damon, of course, you can follow on Twitter at Damon Dog. That's D-A-W-G. We are Damon's dogs. Uh, bark, bark. Uh, it's another It's another inside thing, Jack. I apologize. Um, yeah. It, Derek would have been utterly mortified if I had gone here and not barked after saying that we're Damon's dog. So it's a firm, firm requirement on the show. Uh, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter as well at phnx underscore dbacks. But of course, all roads lead to at phnx underscore sports. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Well, thank you all again so much for being with us here today. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you don't get robbed on Christmas Eve. (laughs) 